Hello and welcome back to the Money Live podcast. This is the second episode of our three-part consumer duty special with LIBF's Helene Panzerino and Virgin Money's Dave Pickering. It's great to have you both here again. How are you doing? Very well. Yeah, very well, thank you. Last episode, we spoke about the industry's approach to the FCA's top 10 consumer duty questions and the ins and outs of fair value assessments. In our second part, we're looking at firms' responsibilities for communication as outlined by the FCA's consumer duty, from educating employees on new regulatory demands to ensuring customer engagement is clear and fair. Helene, let's dive straight in. Communication from banks and firms to customers needs to be clear, fair and not misleading. What does this mean now the duty deadline has passed? I think communication is is one of those thorny subjects. I think for 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 many years, and 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 actually, we talked. You know, we had the plain English campaign. We had other things that are in in the UK where we were trying to get communication from all corporates to be clearer. And I think communication is is the way that that you that you say it in the language that you use. It's the channel that you use for distribution. It's the 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 feedback loop. You know that that kind of communication, uh, the frequency. Um, the urgency of it and and there's the internal so there's the the staff communication the employee communication outside and then there's the consumer communication going backwards of course individuals need to understand the product they need to understand the risks of the product the costs of the product the benefits of the product you know going back to the value the features of the product and also their ability to feedback about you know this product is not suitable for me anymore so I, I think there's an assumption that if you just, you know, put it out in the terms and the, and the word, the jargon or the description that you would normally use to, to be legal and to be compliant, that the consumer will understand that. And I think consumers are often reticent about saying, I don't understand that. And they just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And tick the box. I understand it. When really often they don't. And if someone is in a difficult situation and you're communicating with them, they may not want to respond. So how do you actually get the communication across to get them to help themselves move into a better place is a challenge as well. Definitely. I think we're all guilty of ticking a box as well. It's something everyone can relate to, even if you're in the banking industry. You spoke at first about what communication meant and mentioned channels. Today, more than ever, there are so many channels that banks communicate with us through. And you know, as someone probably in the Gen Z category, I'm much more responsive to texts and app messages. Yeah, I think that there's, we did some training at LIBF for people on, you know, what is, what within social media, for example, what does the employee, what can you do? What can you not do in the different channels? Because this is a whole other layer that people have to understand the implications of using social media, being a representative of a financial institution is one thing. And I think the other thing, which we can't really ignore the, you know, the scamageddon that we live in. You don't know sometimes what's real and what's not real. So if you get an SMS or, you know, which is 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 very prone uh, to fraud and scam, or you get it, another communication, is that real? Is it not real? You know, there's a reason that tax authorities write you letters as opposed yeah. to, <laughs> to sending you online communication because money is at stake. So many things could happen. So I think I, again, I find it really challenging for financial institutions to know exactly how to communicate with people. The other thing is access for people with all different abilities could just be the way that you consume information. I work with a lot of people who are creative. Dyspraxia, dyslexia is, is, is often in the creative uh, space. They don't see it the same way. And I know there are technology solutions now that will overlay, for example, online banking that will, will show you in the way that you should see it. 
but they're very new. So there's there's also a, a physical access to it. Definitely. Dave, you're coming from a perspective inside a bank. How has this posed challenges for you over the last six months? Oh, this is, uh, I mean, the communication, I mean, for everything that's just been said really by Elena there, it's, it, it's so true. I mean, it, it's so difficult. And actually the point you make around the different sort of channels now of communication and of course, we're wrapped up in in the sort of regulation around financial promotions as well. So in, in terms of what we have to, to show and what we have to demonstrate, you then have terms and conditions that you, you factor in as well. So it's actually how do you get those clear messages? Because what the consumer duty really tells us to do now is um, making sure that communications are absolutely clear to, to customers so they can understand exactly the nature of, um, of, of what they're being of what they're being told by the bank. So. We do quite a bit inside. We do a lot of testing around communications. One of the big things that um, the FCA has put into the duties around reading age and, the, you know, the communication that we test. We have uh, there's various um, pieces of software that you can run. You can, you can run your comms through to make sure that you're hitting the right reading age for, for your comms, which is it's down at 16, actually, in the in the duty. So that in, in and of itself is, is, is a good benchmark to, to make sure that we're actually hitting the language piece. You then got to think about, well, actually, what, what are the key messages you're trying to get across to the customer? So if you're going to send them a 10-page letter and the, the, the key bit of information is on page nine, buried away at the bottom, it's not sufficient anymore to say, well, we told them that because it's, look, it's in the letter. Actually, you know, would it be reasonable for the person to, to pick that up? And as you say, how many people these days read all the letters that they receive from an organization? You know, as you say, you prefer to be communicated to by text. This all boils back down to understanding the customer. It's, it's you know, when you're looking at delivering the good outcomes, the communication bit is actually quite a central part of that. And, and so the final point I'd make, and it's something Elena picked up on, is around fraud. And actually, that's a massive area. It's called out a lot by the FCA around consumer duty. Being mindful and watchful, having the right sort of systems in, pro, in place to, you know, to make it as safe as possible for customers to deal with us, to know they're dealing with us and understand they're dealing with us, rather than falling foul of, uh, the very clever and cunning ways now that the fraudsters operate. Definitely, Helene used that word scam again. I, 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 I don't, really seriously go. We are in the in the in the grips of scam again, and now yeah. that the, now that, and now that the banks are going to have to pay back. If you, if the I guess if the customer's been you know pretty uh, done all the things that they should have done that I think we'll see some some changes there. But you know when we were we were at a conference together at Money Live not long ago and my card was declined and I got a message from the fraud department of the bank. This is in another country, so I'm on the phone in the taxi trying to work out what you know what to do and everything else. <laughs> and I did my, something in me said no, go to the back of your card and call the number. Don't respond to the incoming. Right. You know, even though I was in the middle of, of lots of different things. And so I think we all are a little bit on edge. The other thing that you reminded me of, and I don't know why I think it's myself. I, I was a BSL uh, sign language user for, for a number of years, for seven or eight years in the past language and access to language. And, you know, we're seeing we're seeing foreign languages and other types of languages. Um, is another layer that you have to to take into consideration as well, because now, obviously, with the campaign and the rightly so for BSL to to be more prevalent at all at all levels, it it all the things that were kind of yeah we're going to try and do this have now become no we we will do this because this is our customer base. That language point is so important. The ten key questions also differentiate pre-sale and post-sale communication. 
how do customer expectations differ in these two stages when it comes to banks communication with them i mean this is back to sort of what's the service and what's the um you know what's the product that's being offered so it's really tailoring communication to to the service or product that's being offered or or dealt with so whether it's pre-sale or post-sale it's making sure that you've got the basics of clear and transparent communication a piece of communication really is a call to action isn't it quite often it's either information or it's a call to action and if it's a call to action it's making sure that call to action is clear it's obvious to the to the to the recipient so whether that's in pre-sale so in pre-sale it's you know it might be alerting customers to some key before they enter into a mortgage contract it might be around you know making sure they fully understand the implications of signing up maybe to a five-year fixed rate what does it mean you know if I, if I pay off early is it clear what my commitments are to the bank and so that they they're under no illusions when they actually sign up up to the deal post-sale it, it might be for example where we're seeing interest rates at the moment move around savings rates are jumping up if people are sat in a in a low interest rate bearing savings account and we might have some better products on offer again linked into understanding customers potentially financial objectives are we being proactive in terms of notifying them of other other products that the bank offers so it's making sure that whatever the purpose is of the communication it's clear it's front and center it's clear to the customer they can deal with it they can act on it and they're not buried somewhere or ignored i think is the key can I ask something, and I'm, I'm curious as to how, for example, open banking and also technologies like AI and machine learning help in this way. I'm thinking about the, the targeted communications that come, for example, on your internet banking. The AI machine learning is is reading my, you know, my activity, my transactions, et cetera, and then pushing me something that looks like it's right for me or it's sharing it, let's say, not pushing it. The technology or the ability for me if, if I'm open to sharing with open technology, you see a lot more about me. And that means that you can make better decisions about me. And then things like, you know, you mentioned the mortgage and the savings, credit cards. So you sign up for the credit card, you, you know, you read the 50 page document, et cetera, et cetera. And then you start getting those, oh, we're going to raise your credit limit. We think we are up for this. You don't have to do anything if you want to accept it. You know, that as we've seen in the past uh, and most people would go, yeah, that's great. And I'll probably use the credit rating. <laughs> but that is presumably triggered by the fact that you've seen my behavior, you know what's going on potentially in my account and or accounts if I'm using open banking and you think it's a safe thing to do. And that, you know, isn't always the case, but I might actually go for it because it's come through to me as this is something that we think you're okay for. And it's always a fine balance this stuff. So, for example, the, the exact example that you, you sort of outlined there, you know, there's obviously responsible lending. So making sure that actually, well, yeah, we can offer to increase this customer's credit limit. And again, the, the duty talks about foreseeable harm. We've obviously got existing rules around responsible lending and making sure people don't end up in financial difficulties. And I think the consumer duty makes it quite difficult because you're trying to deliver a good outcome. And that might be actually to, to, to offer them more to extend their credit line. But actually, we need to make sure that we do it in a safe way. And, th and that's where the technology, you know, the sophistication of the technology is so key, really. Mm. And, and, and in, again, just an extra layer of, of difficulty. This comes in the, in the middle of a macroeconomic situation that is, yeah. you know, I can remember 2008, 2009 clearly. And I remember all the things that happened, the 2009, 2010, after 
everyone started to come out of it. And I know we got into this in a different way with COVID, et cetera, and everything that triggered and then the wars, but you are also having to give people the best possible outcomes and fewest harms in the middle of such a difficult changing situation where you know any day people could lose a job or have something happen when we were in covid people were literally dying and you know such emotional and physical strain so it's it really it's really difficult and i'm sure i won't engender any sympathy for banks on this <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> but banking organizations are incredibly complex mm. incredibly complex and and the the issues that they have we have to deal with and the balance that we have to deal with is incredibly complex it's a very very difficult thing to to get it absolutely right for every customer all the time because there's so many different competing factors that come into play so it, it it's an incredibly complex network to be honest not to add to that complexity but can we also look internally at employee communication how can firms ensure that every individual is informed of their responsibilities now that consumer duty has come into play? Yeah, so this has been a major one for us. So we had a big a big awareness campaign leading up to the 31st of July. So you may or may not be aware, but all banks will have what I would call mandatory training and, and uh, modules that have every staff member has to complete, every colleague has to complete. And we're exactly the same. So we had our consumer duty training for all colleagues. And then we had enhanced training for those who are on the front line with, with, with customers. So there was some bespoke training. And then what we've done since then is that we have a regular series of comms and we've got stuff planned out for the rest of the year, really, in terms of how we maintain awareness in colleagues without drowning them. Again, back to the fine balance. It's, be, it's becoming increasingly more difficult now for frontline colleagues to operate because there are so many things they have to think about, as well as actually dealing, and we'll come on to this when we get on to vulnerability at some point, it's, it's so difficult because there's so many complexities in that relationship now with the customer. It's not as straightforward, you know, you pick up the phone, you answer the phone, you deal with the query, you put the phone down and that's, you know, away you go. Um, there's, there's quite a lot of things to think about and consumer duty brings in another dimension now. So it's making sure that we give them the salient points without drowning them in in everything that, you know, the consumer duty is sort of asking for. And it's really incumbent on them, the rest of the support network across the bank uh, to make sure they're fully aware. Uh, because the thing with consumer duty as well is it impacts pretty much everyone. It's, it's There aren't many people that it doesn't touch within within an organization like a bank in some way, shape or form. So it's making sure you're getting that communication level, building that awareness, building that network. So it's staying connected, I would say, within the organization, which is what we're trying to do at the moment and making sure therefore that any anything that we we notice as an early warning sign as an issue that might be emerging, we, we get early sight of that so we can actually do something about it and the communication to colleagues is a fundamental part of all that yeah i mean Dev, he's touched on so many of the key points we're obviously looking at it from from i said the financial vulnerability training that we have wrapped up in new consumer duty because the libf we're also training ifas we do mortgage training there's lots of, there's lots of training where it's going to touch somebody so we're actually trying to to work with people with some of it is bespoke, some of it is open open group courses. So that was one way that we chose to to respond. I think the other thing about the internal communication is, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. There, there are triggers that say, 
you know, if this happens, you can send somebody to uh, a consumer advice organization, for example, or yeah. some somewhere else. I think when listening to people, once that one thing happens in the communication, that doesn't have a trail that gets followed up somewhere. It could be with the NHS. It could be with the citizens advice. It could be with step change. It could be, you know, any other debt, for example, organization. But I think once one thing happens, what I'm hearing from people is that it's not, and it might be different at Virgin Money, a connected trail to circle back and find out what happened after that referral was made, because there is a lot that people are dealing with when they get the frontline call. L listen, also, there's also the whole chatbot thing, right? So you're the housekeeping stuff is being done a lot by technology. Well, sometimes I think all of us would still say we hate the chatbot, but they're trying to improve that service. <laughs> It's the only place I can vent my frustration with the bankers with the chatbot. Um, you're useless. Get me a person. Um, so, so some of the housekeeping is being taken care of with technology. And so when you get to the human, you're probably coming in with a bigger problem than you may have come in with before because you, the technology is taking care of the mechanics of it. But I think this, we, we have CPD accreditation. We're aware also it's, I'm, we're saying we're talking about banks, but there's also, you know, as we said, other financial institutions, insurers, uh, investment companies. Um, now we have non-financial institutions getting into finance as well, you know, so it's kind of spreading out. Uh, as to who's involved in my financial life, if you like. Yeah, no, I agree. And I will come on to vulnerability around the sort of whether it's technology versus human interaction. Human interaction, that the, the, I can't see how you will ever replace an element of human interaction because people want to talk to people. You Bravo, know? Dave. <laughs> yeah, people no, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, on, because there are certain things that, you know, however robotic we become, it's not going to cut at some point. So I, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that you do need that very skilled, actually, people who are very skilled at actually actually doing that. I mean, the final point, one point I would make on communication is around consumer duty being a cultural piece. And I think the comms and culture for me, this is one around, you know, that customer centric culture of actually flipping it from we're a we're a service provider, we're a product provider to one that we're delivering these outcomes for customers. It should amount to one and the same thing, but actually it's a subtle shift because actually it's really looking at it from the customer perspective. So part of our comms and culture piece will be around and it is being and will be continue to be around how we sort of make sure that we've got that right balance and that we've got the right customer culture within our workforce as well. Absolutely. And we've spoken a lot today about vulnerability. That's something we'll definitely come on to next time. But for today, that's all we've got time for on consumer duty and communication. Do join us for our final consumer duty spotlight episode, where we'll be exploring the needs of vulnerable customers and the steps banks must take in order to support those in need. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to Helene and Dave for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you.